Nicole Desain. Welcome to Talent Tales, the show where I interview leaders who have brought design thinking to their talent and HR practices. In today's episode, we have a special guest on the show. I am joined by Micah Cooper, who is an agile coach for cultural development at Dr. Oetker in Germany. Welcome, Micah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Micah, what's your story? My story, where do I start? <laughs> um, so maybe one thing that is a bit particular when I look at most other agile coaches I know, I'm a um, humanities person by training. So I actually studied intercultural uh, HR development and, and communications. Um, and I think that really, that was really important for the perspective I have on cultural development and organizational development. Um, and maybe also explains why I got into design thinking and, and really liked it. Um, the, the thing that paved my way to design thinking was a, um, a grad, a research grad um, job that I had at Wild University. I worked at a Fraunhofer Research Institute, which you might know or not. Uh, and there were all these physicists and engineers who knew a lot of stuff that I didn't. Uh, and we did a lot of experiments, basically, and tried to find some new um, product. They were very um, into applied scientists, uh, so very industry near, let's say. Uh, and there I got really into the method because I really liked how, how fast, how dynamic it was. Um, and it was really funny to see how these physicists who never thought about a user in their life before, um, <laughs> Yeah, got into this kind of thinking of looking more from from the human perspective that was really new to them. Um, and it was a really, really cool learning experience. Yeah, and then I, I, I went into consulting after university and did a lot of, um, yeah, let's say applied design thinking in terms of HR projects mostly. So all the stuff that has to do with how we call it in Germany, at least new work, right? So how does the organization of the future look like, not just HR ways, uh, but in general, and after four years, I decided to, yeah, to dig a bit deeper and go into a company where I'm not working with uh, 10 clients, but just one, basically. Um, and now part of a small team for cultural development, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, so, so interesting. So I'm also a liberal arts major. And I think, you know, sometimes that broad, I think initially education sort of helps staying curious about, you know, other disciplines and how they might get integrated and in what we do. Um, I find that sort of interesting myself. <clears throat> and then it's sort of interesting, the, the path, you know, everybody has sort of um, a time when they discover design thinking and they still can recall it and kind of the impact it had on them. So that's kind of, that's kind of interesting. Um, and then can you maybe just briefly explain, so I know everybody in Germany knows Dr. Oetker, but I don't think it's that well known outside of Germany. What do you guys do? <laughs> Uh, basically, as you can see in the picture, in the picture, mm -hmm. we uh, produce a lot of food that people normally like. So um, our it, it really depends on the companies. Like the, the major brand is a bit different. So in Germany, we're all about pizza and pudding. That's like the best sellers, let's say. Uh, <laughs> we also have a lot of baking products, um, especially for decorating and stuff and baking mixes. Uh, I actually, I would, I would really be curious from to hear from you what what we are known for in the U.S. if we are known at all. Um, but there's definitely frozen pizza and baking mixes that are on the market there. I have to say I have not come across it here, but maybe I haven't looked for it. So whenever I go to Germany, I actually import <laughs> import some 
some things <laughs> that I can't find here. So, but maybe others have seen it. Maybe it's, it has a slightly different brand here. I'm not sure. But um, I also wanted to follow up on one other term that you use, because we're going to, you know, talk about some terms like agile design thinking, but you mentioned another term, new work. And that is indeed not used here in the US that much. Um, we talk about the future of work, which is also a misnomer, really, because what we're talking about is really different ways of looking at our employees and how work gets done today, you know? So I think both yeah. terms are sort of, I'm not in love with either, to be honest. Um, can you share a little bit your thoughts about it and how it's used in Germany? Um, that's actually funny because um, like three to four years ago, when I started in the field, and the field was still kind of new and growing. It, it used to be more future of work here too. Hmm. Um, and I really have no idea why it changed. I think there were two, three big consultancies and maybe big companies who then called their initiatives in this area new work. Um, and then it kind of caught on. Uh, hmm. That's the only explanation that I can see. Um, I totally agree with you. It's still, it's, it's, it's a super buzzword, right? It doesn't mean anything basically just means work that is kind of hopefully different than what we're doing right now. So mm -hmm. a bit, that's like the promise I think behind the term, mm -hmm. um, but it's an amalgamation of so many different things. So it really depends. I, what I really hate is a lot of, actually a lot of furniture, big furniture companies in Germany use it a lot for when they talk about like fancy spaces, right? So mm -hmm. colorful desks and no walls anymore. And mm -hmm. then they call that new work. Um, and but that but and, and other other people call design thinking and agile new work so it's really everything and nothing mm -hmm. so that means also we can make it up and in my view Basically. i would love for it to be this human-centered view of that we also view our employees as humans um and focus on you know how can we work make work better for everybody so that's my definition i stick with that okay <laughs> But so what's your superpower? Tell us a little oh, bit. Yeah. And I know uh, you prepared let me something. check my uh, post-its here. So I don't know if this is recognizable. Mm -hmm. um, I think the first thing that came to my mind was I'm a very happy curator, let's say. So I read a lot. I'm on social media a lot. Um, I'm very much a fan of... Um, evidence-based approaches because mm -hmm. I think it's I don't know how it's with you guys but in Germany in HR there's a lot of very old school HR guys who have been doing HR for 25 years who um, have been doing performance management the same way for 25 years like they learned it at university um, and a lot of stuff is really if you do like a half hour research on it um, you see that there's better practice and that is really annoying to me. So what I do is uh, I, I read a lot. I share a lot of uh, information. I try to talk to a lot of people. I'm super curious. So I try to learn stuff every day and, and share it in one way or another. So what's one of the things that you learn like that we all should know about from an evidence-based perspective that you would um, Yeah, that will, pro that will probably be performance management, which is really like my, it's my number one hate topic in, in terms yeah. of HR. Because mm -hmm. I um, think it, it was for me in my old role, it was my reason for quitting consulting because mm. this um, these external drivers in terms of you get this kind of bonus, you have variable um, bonuses and the managers have like 
30% of their salary is basically based on what they're selling. Um, and I think it's super hurtful in many, many ways in terms of organization um, because it creates a lot of competition. Um, there is no, it's, it suppresses for those who are intrinsically motivated, it suppresses the intrinsic motivation. There is research on that a lot. Um, and it creates, mostly it creates a lot of stuff that you don't really want. It creates a lot of effects that people don't think about. Hmm. Um, and of course, I mean, the, the, the picture of, of human motivation that lies behind it is this theory X thing, right? People are yeah. only going to work if they put the car carrot in front of you. Mm -hmm. And that's just not my view. And I really hope we can abolish that practice someday. Yay, I'm all for it. Can we do succession planning next? <laughs> yeah that's another one that i think we're just we put in place a process it's not human-centered and, and it also has a lot of unintended consequences i think it's also doesn't tend to at least here in the u.s uh you know foster a lot of diversity you know um, so it doesn't really help with promotions of diverse talent and things like that so uh, okay so let's jump into design thinking and agile you told us a little bit how you discover design thinking, but I'm just, before we jump into the how, if you can just define for us a little bit, what, how would you define design thinking and agile? Are they similar? What are they? How do you use them? Yeah, that's a really, that's a really tough question. So design thinking <laughs> for me really is, um, is not so much the process or the tools, but really the mindset. So mm -hmm. this whole thing of looking at, first of all, looking at problems and not looking for solutions. I'm not starting with solutions, first of all, um, but really looking at situations, looking at statuses um, and seeing what's going on here. What kind of, let's say, symptoms do I perceive? What do people say? And only then after you really take some time to, to get all that in and kind of do your hypotheses or interpretations, only then to come up with ideas what you can actually do. Mm -hmm. uh, and then of course, the, the whole iterative thing, which is where I think design thing and agile are very close to start small, to see, uh, okay, let's try out the first solution. Let's see if that works. If it doesn't, we'll kill it and try the next. Um, I think that's where design thinking and agile go together very well in terms of mindset. Um, in terms of agility, what I um, really don't like is if you're very, very dogmatic. So that's a big mm. problem, I think, also in Germany, also driven by a lot of IT people who come from re really the like the strong regulation of Scrum, of SAFE, of all these frameworks. Um, so we're at, I mean, in our team, we always see that it's it's hugely important to use all these be it, be it the mindset part or be it a tool part, right? So be it retrospectives or in generally to do things iteratively, to use those um, when you need them and apply them to the context that you have. Um, and we never try to say, uh, let's, let's use design thinking for this. Let's use um, mm. Scrum for your team because we think it's the good solution. We really, we really pick a mix, let's say. Mm -hmm. I used to be more dogmatic about design thinking in the past because I saw a lot of failed ideas to use design thinking. Um, and I, I, yeah, I moved away, let's say, from, from really doing strict design thinking processes because I didn't really see that work very often. 
and in really big contexts where they really put a lot of money and effort and research into it, it worked really well, especially for product development. Um, but uh, in the context that I use it in, in, in organizational development, let's say, it's really more the mindset thing of looking at the people, looking at the context, looking at the problem, and then uh, starting out, trying out some st stuff. Yeah, so let's dive in a little bit more. So you apply it uh, in the context of culture development, organizational development. How does that look like? Um, so a big, uh, big part of what we do is team development, right? So we work with the departments and teams um, basically on the question, how can you work better? And what this work better means is, of course, super individual, super specific. So for some teams, it's really um, your meetings are terrible and you have too many of them. So what, what's the problem? What can we do about it? Is there just no structure, which is often a problem is there a lot of um, communication that should be asynchronous should be on Microsoft Teams or wh wherever or should just not happen at all uh, or co could have been an email right so really basic basic questions are still not good in a lot of departments um, and we always go in with this mindset of okay as I just described right go into it look at the problem see what kind of interpretations you have from the symptoms that you see and then um, try to iterate to what's a better solution Mm -hmm. I mean, the meeting thing is a really small example, mm -hmm. um, but also in terms of bigger projects, like what, what could you do better? Or in terms of new strategies for a department, how can you mm -hmm. get from what you have now to a better piece? Um, that's like one part. And then of course with Agile, it's really, um, then that's more concrete than right? Installing uh, Kanban boards or helping the team to, to find flow and prioritize. Prioritization is a huge topic. It's always a problem. Nobody's good at it. Um, it can always be better, even if you're already good at it. Mm -hmm. And I think this, yeah, we, we all share, us and our team, we all share this human-centered mindset in terms of we, we try to help you, right? We're not like, like typically in HR, maybe, we're not a change project where we say this is the, like, the world of new work that we now move you all towards to. Um, but we say, let's look at your problem. Let's see how we can help. Um, and then, but it's it's still your your responsibility to move a bit, right? I don't know if that's mm -hmm. necessarily design thinking minds, and maybe that's more systemic, in terms of we believe the solution is somewhere in you, and mm -hmm. we just help you to to follow it. Um, but I think this this whole human centered and more iterative thing is the the the, the antidote to classical change management. Mm -hmm. And then I noticed, first of all, in your background, you have this nice hashtag move and the slice of change. I love that already that you have sort of your own branding for your team. And then I also saw, I think you posted a LinkedIn post um, where you sort of shared um, the design principles or the principles of, you know, your team. And um, one thing was, it was that I remember one was, you know, user centricity and one was iterative. So I thought, you know, a lot of these principles, maybe you can speak to these principles a little bit more um, and how you would think they connect to des the design thinking or agile mindset. Yeah, I think uh, we really, the, the principles were not like principles are often done. We didn't write them down when we started and then tried to follow them. It was really more of an observation of ourselves where we said after a year, oh, um, if we had to write down how we work, this is it. Mm -hmm. And as you said, iteration, that is hugely important to us because we are still a bit new. So we were founded uh, one and a half years ago as a team. So like before 
there was not really any kind of organizational development officially at Dr. Edgar. It's, so it's new. There was HR, there was um, HR development, but there was really more in the individual training basis. So like very standard um, mm -hmm. training stuff. Um, so we, we had to start from scratch, basically. And we are four people, uh, quite diverse backgrounds, which is really helpful. So really, there was nothing to do but to work iteratively, right? To try mm -hmm. out things and see what works. Um, and that is also a, a culture change in itself for a company like Dr. Oetker, because, uh, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but in Germany, one of our slogans is quality is the best recipe. Mm. Because we always... Mm -hmm. um, there was, I, I don't think there has been a scandal in 129 years of Dotka history. So it's hugely important to the company to sell products that are basically that every everybody can do. So mm -hmm. if maybe an anecdote, we have a testing kitchen with, I think, like 100 different ovens where they try all the cake mixes in all the ovens <laughs> so they can make sure uh, whatever oven you have, it's going to be the same result. So, right, that's the mentality that we have in the company. Mm -hmm. And, of mm -hmm. course, then iterative work um, is totally new. And it's not mm -hmm. what, it's not precision and it's not 100% safe and 100% and quality from day one. Yeah. So again, in, in itself, the way we do it is culture change for the company. And that is very That's important fair. to us that we, uh, we lift the claims that we say this is mm -hmm. work. Interesting. Yeah. And just a reminder to everybody, please put your questions for Micah in the chat and we'll get to them in just a little bit. Um, I'm just curious, uh, what were barriers that you encountered uh, when you tried to bring in human-centered design into the organization and how did you overcome them? I actually have compared to other new work projects or organizational development departments that I know, we, we're still pretty fine in terms of barriers. Um, we don't have many adversaries, let's say, because I think, but this is, I think it's because of the human-centered approach, because we're mm -hmm. not trying to push any kind of method or solutions on the people. And I think this is super helpful for us because we're not the bad guys, right? We're never the bad guys. Mm -hmm. We always come and say, what's your problem? Mm -hmm. Let's help you. Mm -hmm. um, and we put the responsibility on the other side, meaning we don't push ourselves on anyone in general. Right. So there are a lot of departments that we don't work with yet um, because they haven't come to us. And I think mm -hmm. this also really, really helps that we let the user basically come to us because the first step of the user is to realize I might have a problem here or I might have an improvement possibility. And then they come to us and then we help. And that's actually a good segue to my next question, because maybe have you seen like an increase of the departments that come to you? Because my next question is sort of about the impact. What impact have you noticed after introducing a human-centered yeah. approach? Yeah, we definitely have, we definitely have more, um, more departments asking to work with us than we can manage. Okay, so that's, uh, so that's, that's impact. Right, so that's a good sign. Um, but I think that's also, it, it's different in, in, the, in the Dr. Atka company than in other companies that I've worked for. So when I was a consultant, I was mostly in the DAX companies and the bigger ones, so like the Fortune 500. Um, and there it's a bit different because, of course, the, the, the planning horizon, let's say, is a very, very short term because they have shareholder meetings every quarter um, and they 
they do have a lot more of these hype cycles, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dr. Edke is a family-owned company, um, a bit more in the provincial area of Germany. Um, so it's very much more long-term perspective. Mm-hmm. And that really, mm-hmm. really helps because um, a lot of people really care about this company. They have been working or their parents have been working here um, and they, they really want the best for the company. Um, so if they see that there is reasons for change, they will go along with it. Um, there are not um, many like managers where this is just a stepping stone in their career. Mm. So I think this is for me, that was also a bit where I picked this company, a family company, uh, because you have the opportunity to do some stuff and you're not asked every six months for a report on cultural development because they know it's a long-term investment. Mm-hmm. So it seems to, the culture matters. Um, yes. In, in, in yeah. where you operate with design yeah. thinking. Any think other- if you have, if you have a, a more human-centered culture in general, mm-hmm. right. um, that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any other impacts that you've seen? So it seems like increase in requests from departments. Um, um, any other, do you measure at all? Because I get that question a lot. How do you measure design yeah. thinking? And, you know, I do a lot of research too. And I think there was a study out from McKinsey a couple of years ago, the business value of design. But other than that, it seems elusive. How, how do you handle that? Yeah, I mean, what we do when we work in team development is we do kind of a self-evaluation in terms of, we call it culture analysis. It's not a culture analysis. Um, it's really a self-evaluation along a few categories that we set in terms of what could new work mean. Um, and then we do that at the beginning and the end. So that helps a bit with seeing for the teams, but also for us, where do departments put a focus and where do they change and where they're not. But for mm-hmm. me, really, the impact is more in the smaller things, right? So when I see mm-hmm. that most of the departments that we've worked with are now doing more focused meetings. They have an agenda. They have they measure return on time invested after meetings. Um, they they try to communicate um, a bit more consciously, let's say. And a lot of a lot of small tools, let's say, that we see in different car that we see popping up in different parts of the company because we told somebody about it. Um, so that's I think it's really nice because then it's it shows that it's. Also sustainable, right? When we're no longer there, but the the methods or the solutions are still there, that's mm-hmm. my biggest achievement, I would say. Yeah, love that. What's your favorite design thinking resource or hack? Oh, it's really difficult to answer because <laughs> I'm yeah I'm not using it so much uh, in terms of the strict framework mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it could be a I mindset mean, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, it's really this um, this change of perspective, which I think is also part of me because of my humanities background. So mm-hmm. um, one discussion that we always had at university was basically, what's your perspective on this? What's yours? Uh, and we never finished and say, this is right and this is wrong, right? So if you talk mm-hmm. about intercultural conflict, for example, there's never it's never black or white. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and this, I think this is really helpful if you look at, especially if you look at dealing with problematic colleagues where you say oh my god he's never going to move um Mm -hmm. but then to change perspective put yourself in the shoes of the customer and say what does he what kind of pains does he have um how could we alleviate those without um, yeah making him too scared of the of of other things 
uh, I think that's hugely important for this kind of job to, to so think empathy about where the user is coming market. from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that can be a hack, right? Just what's the core mindset that you go in? And in summary, you know, it seems like for those who want to get started with bringing human centered design to their people practices, what I'm, what I was hearing from you is, was don't talk about it. Exactly, <laughs> design yes. thinking, start with the business problem or start with the problem that the business has. And then, you know, just apply some mindsets and maybe methods or not um, to it and go from there. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah definitely. One mm -hmm. thing just came to my mind that I really, really love um, it's, it, I don't know it from design thing. I know it from another kind of um, training. It's so-called safe enough to try. I don't know if you've ever heard it as a term. Hmm. We use it as a lot as a decision principle, actually. Hmm. It's a prototyping mindset. And we use it as a decision principle when people discuss which way do you want to go. Uh, and we don't ask, is there anything, is there any anybody else who sees a problem with this? Is there still something speaking against it? But we ask, is this small enough of a risk that we can say hey it's safe enough to try and then we just do it and that uh, you can you can take 20 decisions in 20 minutes if you apply this because there's almost never a really really big risk love it um, and that once that's one thing that is really now uh, quite quickly being spread through the organization as a, as a love organization, it as a decision principle so i always end with a surprise quote and let you react to it are you ready yep Okay, quote, design thinking is a mindset, not a toolkit or a series of steps, unquote. Anne von Osterholm. Yeah, I know him, funnily enough. Um, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I would never say it's, it's the one thing and not the other. I know a lot of people who do quite well with using more of the process, but especially applying it in a context where, where it doesn't come from, let's say. I, I completely agree. As long as you understood the mindset, um, it's more important to have the mindset, not the process, than the other way around. Yeah, like agree. That. All right, let's jump into some questions. So Tamara is asking, uh, how can we in training and development bring more of a human-centered approach to training and development? Mm -hmm. um, so what we try to do with, uh, so I am a bit, uh, in our team, I'm a bit the liaison to the HR people because I, I do come from an HR background. What I ha start, have that had them started to do basically is to ask a lot more um, than to just put answers in front of their faces because I don't know how, it, how it's in your company, but in my company still at the moment, it's very much, we book a training calendar, we plan it a year in advance um, and then there you have it, right? Use it or don't. Um, so what they're doing now is they do a bit more surveys. They ask some questions, especially with leaders, um, but also others and ask, okay, what's currently going on in your heads, right? What issues are you dealing with? Um, so they're not trying to ask what kind of trainings do you want to buy next year, but they're asking a bit more into the context and then trying to, to figure out, okay, what kind of solutions, trainings could we give them for this? So that's in terms of training. Let me read your question again. Um, yeah, that I think that answers that. Um, we got one more that I want to hit before um, our time is out. And, and I think that uh, Niels was asking that, and I think it related to what you said about performance management earlier. So he was asking, is there any way to make variable comp compensation effective? 
That's a really good question. I mean, I'm not a compound Ben expert um, at all, thankfully. Um, um, it's, I don't know, actually. I think probably, yes. I think it really, really depends on the context of the company. For example, my partner, he works in a company. It's, it's a consultancy as well. They have a, a very, very nice culture. Very familiar, but very sales focused, let's say. It's a consultancy as well. And they have really tough um, bonuses and, and and variable salaries, and it works just fine for them. I would I would hate it, and I think it really depends on the on the people that you use it on. There are a lot of people. I remember when in my old consulting job, they actually were very modern in my opinion for big consultancies, and they killed bonuses for the juniors and said, okay, you all get it's all um, company success, right? So if we have 120 percent a company um, success, everybody gets a 120% salary. I was mm -hmm. like, finally, we get something that is collective, right? That motivates people mm. to work on this on the same goal together. Uh, and 70% of my young colleagues hated it because they were like, now if I'm the best, I'm not getting the most money, mm. right? So it's really a question of what kind of people do you want to use? So maybe a lot of people say in, in sales, for example, it only works with this kind of... Um, with this mm -hmm. kind of salary but then again i would say it depends on the sales people that you have or, or want to have yeah it's so interesting because you have different personalities as you said people are differently motivated and then also that topic of unintended consequences right what are you rewarding and what might be the consequences from that yeah that's certainly a we could do a whole different a whole workshop yeah. on that probably right <laughs> design thinking workshop so we are at the end of our time and thank you so much coming here all the way from germany and thanks everybody and i hope to see you all at a future town tales <laughs> bye